Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are currently in class number 20. We're going to be discussing in the beginning a few pesukim that come from Parashat Va'era. Just need you to focus for a few minutes on these pesukim, and then Be'ezat Hashem will see. There's a beautiful a beautiful, practical, important message here for us. We find ourselves here where Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu before Yetziat Mitzrayim that he should tell the Jewish people He should give them a message. Ani Adonai, he tells them. I am Hashem. Vehotseti etchem. I'm going to take you out. Mitahat sivlot Mitzrayim. From the burdens of Egypt. Remember, they were slaves now. For a few hundred years. Go tell them, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to save you from the work, the work of Egypt. I'm going to redeem you. Which means it's going to come in real amazing ways. It's not going to be just a regular, we're going to leave quietly without anyone noticing. Bizroa Neturiah means it's going to be with an outstretched arm. Ubishfatim Gedolim, it's going to have some big, big judgments. It's going to be clear. I'm going to take you to be my nation. I'm going to be your God. So basically, he's telling them. What's going to happen in the next year? It's going to be a great year. What we know, it's going to be a year of 10 makot. Each one was an amazing display of Hashem's greatness and His love for Am Yisrael. They're going to see the Kiriat Yamsuf. They're going to have Matan Torah. It's going to be a great year. He says, Vidatem, and you will know, Ki ani Adonai Elohechem, that I am Hashem, your God, Hamotzi etchem mitahat siblot Mitzrayim. You will know that I am the one that took you out from Egypt. What does that mean? Again, let's review. I'm sorry, I have to be a little technical, but there's no way to appreciate it if we just don't, if we don't see it clear. Hashem tells Moshe, go tell them, this is going to be the year. I'm taking them out of Egypt in the most amazing way. I'm going to give them the Torah. Okay, done. 
But then he says, Vidatem, and then you're going to know that I, Hashem, is the one who took you out of Mitzrayim. What is that edition? What does that mean? What are they trying to say with that? So the Gemaran Masechet Berachot explains this pasuk and says like this. When I take you out of Egypt, I am going to do for you something so that you will know that I am the one who's doing everything. What did Hashem do after He took us out of Mitzrayim to make sure that we know that He is the one that did it? Now, if I would ask anyone this question, they would think I lost my mind. What is there to know? You're talking about ten plagues. Each one more amazing and supernatural more than the next. You're talking about Kiriat Yamsuf. What is there to know? What is missing that they still need to know? And what is it that Hashem did to... to what, what more is there to do after the ten makot and Kiriat Yamsuf? What, what more can He do to show us that, listen, it was me. Just remember that. So if you open up the Hatam Sofer, it's a beautiful Hatam Sofer. This Hatam Sofer, I wish that I had books in front of each one of us. We opened it up and we read word for word to appreciate the wisdom and the greatness of his commentary. He says, that Moshe Rabbeinu is referring to Yeridat Haman. What is Hashem going to do for us after Yetziat Mitzrayim so that we know that He's behind everything? That we have Emunah? That we live with such an Emunah? You know, living with Emunah is by far, by far, the greatest achievement a human can have on the planet. To live alone in life is very painful and very exhausting and very frustrating. To live with Hashem is peace of mind, it's simhat hayim. For sure, in this series of simha, we're going to end up somewhere in Emunah. Because you're not going to have Simha without Emunah. Today is not the discussion to that. What did Hashem give Am Yisrael? They couldn't get Emunah from the Ten Makot. That's what it sounds like. They didn't get Emunah from Kiryat Yamsuf. But you know what's going to do it? When I give them the man. When they're going to eat the man, then they're going to know, then they're going to feel and understand that I am the one that's doing all this for them and more. By the way, 
The Hatam Sofer has a proof. He's not just making it. How do you know that? Who told him it's the man? Because by the man, when Am Yisrael got the man, it says over there, Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael, You're going to know Ki Ani Ki Adonai Hotsi Etchem Eretz Misraim. That was the message when Moshe gave the man to Am Yisrael or in anticipation of the man, he tells him, guys, now you will know that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. Says the Hatam Sofer, you see, that's what it's referring to. So when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu way back then, that after I take you out of Mitzrayim, I'm going to do something, that something is Yeridat Aman. And with Yeridat Aman, somehow, the man was able to accomplish more than all the plagues and Kiryat Yamsuf. The question is how? What is it about the man that makes it so powerful? And probably you should be asking, why am I even talking about it? Because even if we discovered why the man is so powerful, unfortunately we don't have the man. So it would be a discussion that is useless for us. But as we're going to see, when we understand why the man is so powerful, we'll understand that we too have a version of man. What is it about the man that makes it so powerful? Says the Hatam Sofer, He quotes the Havot Levavot, who discusses how we humans get so excited about miracles. When you hear about a miracle, you hear a story about a miracle, you witness a miracle, even a small miracle, it's exciting, it's like a wow. You call people, you write it in a book, you, it's a miracle, you can't believe what happened to me. How did that happen? I was going here and then just out of nowhere, I was looking for something, and it's a miracle. Now, it's not Kiriati Yamsuf miracle. But even the small miracles in our lives are like these wow moments. They're amazing. But says the Havot Levavot, that nature doesn't excite us. Even though what happens in the world of nature could be far more exciting and far more amazing than what happens in the wondrous world. I may have told you a story once. I was teaching about 20 boys, 25 boys. They were young boys. So sometimes they believe things that others would not believe. So I told them that I'm a very big rabbi and that I could do big miracles. So of course they didn't believe me. But they're young, so like they might believe me. So 
face about like like what? I said, yeah, I could do some crazy things. You'll never imagine what I could do. So after asking how many, what, what, what? I said, okay, you know what? Tomorrow, we're going to take a class trip. And we're going to go to Avenue J in Ocean Parkway. Over there, there's a cemetery. Oh, no. Well, why take a cemetery? So I said, I'm going to take a dead person out of the ground and he's coming back to life. And they're like, this is, this is a true, true story. And they're all looking at me like, like they're not sure to be scared, to laugh, to cry. They didn't know what to do. Okay, These are seventh grade boys. He said, Rabbi, come on. You're not, you're not doing that. So I'm a big rabbi, I told you. I can do these things. I said, listen, if you want, we'll go. We're going to go on a trip tomorrow. I'll show you with it. I don't have to tell you I once did it. I'm going to show it to you. So I said, come on. I said, tomorrow we're going to go on a trip. So now they come the next day. Sure enough, we're going on a trip. As we press by Avenue J, so I told him, guys, change of plans. Oh, Rabbi, we knew it. Big schedule. I said, I decided taking the dead from the ground for you guys, not enough of a miracle. So that's too small. I'm going to tell you, I'm a very big Rabbi. Taking dead people from the ground is no big deal. I said, I want to show you something. Much bigger than that. Okay, it's interesting. Now they forget it. They totally don't believe me. But I got the message across already. I would take these boys to a, f- a field that grows wheat kernels. Now I know you're not going to get excited by it. That's why I'm bringing it. A wheat kernel that grows out of the ground is maybe times a thousand. Because when you take a kernel and you put it in the ground, the kernel decays, just like a human body. Nobody ever dreamed that that kernel will come back to life. But not only does it come back to life, it comes back fresh. And not only does it come back by itself, it comes back times thousands. So if we were honest and looked at things with a pure eye, there's no question that that would be a greater miracle than taking a dead body out of the ground. There's no question. Why is it that we don't get excited about nature? Because we just see it all the time. Nature is not less amazing than miracles. It's the opposite. Nature is usually more amazing. 
But we're not amazed because we are used to it. Our brain no longer gets excited because we see it all the time. If we would have thought or we would have been used to seeing children come out of the ground and wheat kernels come out of humans and you would see a wheat kernel come out of the ground or a baby come out of a woman, we would say, what? How could a woman have a baby? What does that mean? A woman has a baby? It's impossible. I mean, I understand out of the ground how a baby can be born, but from a woman, impossible. It's not what's more amazing that's miraculous. It's just things we're not used to. That's what the Havot Lavot discusses. That we get so excited by miracles because they don't normally happen. But in reality, nature is awesome. But the reality is the reality. And Hashem knows that reality. Says the Hatam Sofer, that after the miracles of Egypt, Hashem wanted to make a miracle like the man that's going to come down and that miracle is going to amaze Am Yisrael and they are going to have the deep belief in God. Then he says, by the way, because the pasuk continues and says afterwards, and then I'm going to take them to Israel and in Israel, Ani Hashem, I'm going to show them again that I am God. Says the Hatam Sofer, in Israel, Hashem is going to give them regular bread. And they're going to be excited by that. That's all the Hatam Sofer says. Now, I'm sure you got disappointed now because you didn't see and you didn't hear anything. So, what did he say? I don't understand. What, what did he just say? He basically just said that Hashem wants to excite them by bringing the man down. And then later on again, by giving them bread. But back to our question. They already saw the miracles. What does that mean? Why would that be more exciting for them? And here's the answer. Pay good attention because this could literally transform your life. Hazal say, Lo nitena Torah ela leochle haman. The Torah was only given to those who ate man. Now simply it just means the generation of Am Yisrael in the desert. But they are described as the ones who ate man. Says the Sfat Emet that a person's food has a tremendous hashpa'ah on the person himself. Just like we know Hashem did not allow us to eat certain birds because they're predators and they're cruel and that becomes part of our soul. Like the Ramban says, when a person saw the man, he literally saw God feeding him from heaven. And when he saw the ten plagues, he also saw that. And when he saw Kiryat Yamsuf, 
He also saw that. But there's one big difference. The difference is by the man, he ate it. And when you eat man, and that man is a piece of emunah, that you're looking at Hashem giving you the food, and you ate it, vidatem. That will stick with you. The ten plagues and Kiriat Yamsuf were amazing. But they weren't food. Food becomes part of your entire reality. It becomes part of your soul. It becomes part of your existence. That's what the Sfat Emet says. En Torah ke Torah eres Yisrael. When Hashem gave us the Torah, before we can receive the Torah, first He had to give us man. Because man transformed us. And then Hazal say, and by the way, going forward, the greatest Torah is the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. Learning Torah in America is not like learning Torah in Israel. There's a difference. It's the same Torah, but you're not the same person. Why? Said the Sfat Emet. Says the Sfat Emet because in Eretz Yisrael, when they grow food in Israel, it's not like America. In America, they grow food, they eat it. In Israel, you grow food, you got to give terumah to the Kohen. Mitzvah. You got to give 10%. Maser Rishon. Maser Sheni. Before you can actually eat your food, you have to do many mitzvot before you can actually eat. The mitzvah of Orla by fruits. That actually applies even outside of Israel. So says the says the Sfat Emet and Torah ke Torah Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because the people are eating bread of emuna. They're eating bread of mitzvot. Says the Sfat Emet. That's why on Shabbat, Hazal tell us that our Torah, Torah learning is much higher than during the week. You go to a class on Shabbat. It's a different type of class. I can't explain why. But you go to the same class. On Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, or Shabbat, Shabbat is different. Shabbat has a different feel to it. Says the Sfat Imed, you know why? Because you're eating the Se'udah of Shabbat. The Se'udah of Shabbat is called the Se'udah of Emunah. I'm not going into that right now. But bottom line is you're eating Emunah. And when you're eating emunah, you're a different person. That's why we say by the Haggadah, when we list all of the steps that Am Yisrael had to go through to get to where we are today, we say, He'echilanu et haman, He gave us the man to eat. And it says, He gave us the Shabbat. Kerebanu lehar sinai, and then he brought us to Har Sinai, lanu et Torah. That's not just random things that happened. Those were the steps. You can't be a spiritual person on the level that Hashem expects from you unless you eat the man. If you eat the man, your emunah is a part of your reality. You know how many people would love to have emunah? 
Who wouldn't want to have Emunah? Who wouldn't want peace of mind? Who wouldn't want to be calm, no more fears, no anxiety, sleep at night, calmly, no worries, nothing to be concerned about? Who wouldn't want to live with Emunah? You know, you have Emunah classes, you walk out of there and say, yeah, that's great, I wish I could do that. But listening about Emunah, getting excited about Emunah, or living Emunah is very far and distant. And the greatest way to live Emunah is that our diet should be a diet of Emunah. That's what the man did to Am Yisrael. It gave us Emunah in reality. Now you might say, what does that have to do with me? No man is coming to your backyard tomorrow. And the answer is that Berachot have the same ability. A Beracha really a blessing on the food is the recognition that this food is coming directly from Hashem. It needs a little more work than the man. The man was a wow. But guess what happens after 40 years? Even the man becomes normal. The guy born in the desert or grew up in the desert he only knows man. Could you imagine you only know man? Like you see rain, so it comes down wheat. Big deal. When they went to Eretz Yisrael, Hashem says, I need to wake them up again. Now I'm going to give them regular food. And they're like, what? Can you imagine a kid that grew up in the desert and all of a sudden sees wheat coming out of the ground? What is that? That's amazing. That's awesome. Ani Hashem says, Hatam In Israel, I'm going to turn around, get them excited again. But going forward, we have to excite ourselves. Going forward, it is we who have to look into the nature of food and see God in that food. And making the biracha making a biracha makes the food that we eat so much more powerful and it brings emunah into our lives. Imagine, you're reading, you're listening, you're trying, but the emunah is right there in your salad. Could that be? The emunah is right there in the bread. It's right in the drink that you're having. Emunah is not somewhere there. It's not in the book. It's in your food. Because what you eat is what you become. Now, of course, you could eat just plain food. If you eat plain food, you're not getting emunah. The Pasuk says, listen to these beautiful words of Moshe Rabbeinu. He tells them that Hashem gave you man in the desert to teach you a lesson, an eternal lesson. 
You don't live only by the bread. Which means you stay alive by the word of Hashem that brought this food into existence. Says the Ariza, what does that mean? The Ariza says the same way your body needs physical bread, your neshama needs Hashem's words. They need emuna. Says the Arizal, every food that you eat has in it the physical food and has in it motzapi Hashem. It has Hashem in the food. And your job and my job is to take out the words of Hashem from the food. And when you make a beracha, you're actually taking out the emuna of the food, the ruhaniyut of the food, and you're making it a part of your life. And if you ask me, really? Words can do that? Like if I say a beracha, it's going to make a difference? Let's say I know Hashem gives me the food, but I don't say a beracha. Do I get the same result? Let me share with you Gemara Masechet Berachot. The Gemara says that Rabbah told his helper, when you go buy me a piece of meat, make sure that you buy the piece that the Shohet slaughtered from in which he made the Beracha. Don't just buy any piece of the meat. I want the piece when he said, Asher kideshanu vetzivanu ala shehita, they make a beracha and shehita, I want that piece. Now, seemingly what? That piece is more kosher? What's the difference? He wants that piece. The whole animal is kosher. You do shehita, everything is kosher. Why does he want that piece? According to what we said, because when you make a beracha on something, you raise its spirituality. It may look like the same piece, but it's not the same piece. That's why when someone buys something for Shabbat, Shulchan Aruch says that they should say, L'chvot Shabbat. Why not think L'chvot Shabbat? I know I'm buying for Shabbat. But what you say, your word, Dibur, you know, we think words are like, they're just words, they're just air. Just remember and never forget. That when Hashem came to create the world, what material did He use to create the world? He made planets, He made stars, He made wood, He made fruits, He made humans. What did He use? What was the material that Hashem used to make the world? He used dibur. Vayomer Elohim Yehi Or. The Or that you see is Dvar Hashem. The table that you're looking at is Devar Hashem. This is Hashem's word. That's why in Hebrew, the word Dibur is the same word as Davar. Davar. What's Davar? What's Davar? Everything. 
Everything in the world is called davar. I'm a davar, this is a davar, you're a davar, everything is davar. The word davar is dibur. Because everything that you see is davar Hashem. That means words are very powerful. Much more than we imagine. And when you say about this item, L'chvot Shabbat, it's a different item. And when you make a beracha on a piece of meat, it's not the same meat. Rabban wasn't looking for a tastier meat. He was looking for a more spiritual meat. Where is he going to find it? The part of the animal with the beracha went on. I want that one. There's a famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avot that most people have heard. In En Kemah, En Torah, it says if there's no food, there's no Kemah, if there's no flour, there's no Torah. Simply it means, the way it's normally translated, a person can't live just on Torah. You need money. You need to eat. You need food. You need Parnassah. If you're not going to take care of your physical needs, and Torah, you're not going to have Torah. You got to support yourself. You got to have money. That's the simple meaning, which is, of course, is a true meaning, but there's also a deeper meaning. If you don't eat the man, if you don't eat with emunah, if you don't supply your neshama with motzapi Hashem, Hashem put His word, He put His presence in every single food. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu told us, not me. That's what Moshe says. It's not only bread that feeds your stomach. There's a motzapi Hashem. Hashem put His word in every single food that you eat. Im en kemach, and if you don't eat that kind of food in Torah, your neshama is not capable of Torah. You're not capable of emuna. You might read a book on emuna. You may listen to words of emuna, but somehow you're struggling with emuna. Why are you struggling? Because you're not eating emuna. Im en kemach, en Torah. That's why the Gemara says. The Pasuk says, et ve'et memecha. The Gemara don't read uberach, ubarech. Says the Gemara, you should bless your bread and your drink and your water. How does the Pasuk end? Vahasiroti mahala mikirbecha. Hashem says, through the beracha that you make on your food and on your drinks, Hashem says, I will remove the sickness from within you. Which means food has a power. What's the sickness that is within us? The within us sickness is the lack of emunah. Is the fear that we live with. Is the de'agot that we live with. Is the frustration that we live with. That's called bekirbecha. It's in you. The anger that's within us. The frustrations and everything that comes with it. Make a beracha. You're a different person. Last week we discussed the word ata. We said this is the most important word. But for this week, the most important word 
is Melech HaOlam. Baruch Ata recognizes your standing in front of Hashem. But the words Melech HaOlam have been just as an important a message. The word Olam means world. In Hebrew, the word Olam also means that which is hidden, Ne'elam. Why is the world called something that's hidden? Because Hashem managed to create a world, which is, by the way, one of the biggest miracles, is that you could walk around this world for 120 years and not see Hashem once. If you want to, you could walk around with blindfolds your whole life. While every single branch and every leaf and every fruit and every piece of oxygen, everything is screaming the presence of Hashem in your life and in my life. But yet Hashem made the world where He conceals Himself. He hides Himself. Where you and I could walk around the world completely blind, not recognizing Hashem in our life. We could do that. That's why it's called Olam. Hashem made this world and He hid Himself into this world. Melech HaOlam When you say Melech HaOlam you're basically recognizing Hashem's presence in everything that you're eating and everything that you're doing. On that note, by the way, I just want to share with you a thought, a little bit in parentheses. We know Hashem is called El Shaddai. Why is He called El Shaddai? The word Dai means enough. Hazal tell us, He said, Hashem said to His world, She'amar le'olamo Dai. Now Rashi brings a Midrash that says, and sometimes we hear people say this, when a person Lo'alenu is in Tzarot, they are in trouble, they don't feel good, things are not happening in such a beautiful way. The words that are used are as follows. Rashi uses words. Mi she'amar le'olamo dai. The one who said to his world, dai, enough. Yomar dai le'tzaroti. He should say enough to my issues. The question is, what's the connection between Hashem saying die to the world and, and Hashem saying die to your problems? The answer is like this. Hashem made the world and He concealed Himself. He hid Himself completely. But if He would conceal Himself completely, then we can never see Him. So at some point, Hashem says die. I, I, I'm hiding myself. But I can't hide all the way because then there's no way that people can come and actually see my existence. So at some point Hashem says, die. Which means sometimes in life we have inspiration. Sometimes we see clarity. Sometimes we're able to see Hashem in the world. That's because Hashem said, die. If He really wanted to hide Himself completely, He could have done it. That was the plan. But then at some point, people will never be able to see Him. Hashem 
can win the game of hide and go seek every time. He's never going to lose. He'll hide and nobody can see him. But that's why he said, I'm going to stop at some point. The olamo die. Because I want people to see me. The goal is not to be hidden. The goal is to have them uncover me. Now when a person is going through tzarot, lo aleinu, lo alechem, person starts to get weak. person starts to get discouraged. Sometimes they want to give up. So we're telling Hashem the same way when you made the world, you had to stop so that we could see you and connect to you. The tzarot that I'm going through are too much for me. If you don't put die to my tzarot, I can't connect with you. The same reason why you stopped concealing yourself when you created the world, you said die. Please say die to my tzarot because I'm afraid there'll be too much and I will lose my connection. I will give up. I will lose the relationship. So the words melech ha'olam are very key. The words melech ha'olam are the words that's taking the ruhaniyut out of your food. Now for some people, they might listen to this class and say, what, what is this? What, what just happened? Are we talking about emunah in eating salad? Is that the discussion today? What about emunah in having bread? I'm going to have coffee and I'm going to have emunah in my coffee? Where has the world gone to? What are we saying? And if you have such a question, which I don't blame you if you do, I want you to read a Gemara with me. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot, Ezohi parasha ketana, says the Gemara, give me a line, shekol gufe Torah teluyimba, that the entire Torah hangs on this line. That's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, big request. The whole Torah, the whole Torah, you know how big the Torah is? You know how big Shohan Aruch is? You know how big the mitzvot are? You want one line that's going to incorporate everything? What does that mean? We can't even think of such a ridiculous question. But yet the Gemara asks it, and it gives an answer. Listen to this answer. The Gemara says, Bekol derachecha da'ehu. That's it. That's what it's all about. In whatever you do, you should see Hashem. You know, most of us grew up, or most people grew up, that there is the religious part of us. Like, when we eat matzah, that's religious. When we pray, that's when we're religious. When we sit in the sukkah, religious. Shabbat, religious. Kiddush, religious. Kippur, religious. There's the religious part of our lives. And then there is the mundane part of our lives. Like eating, drinking, sleeping, working, cooking, shopping. That's not religious. That's mundane. 
religious, mundane. That's how most people, at least in this country, have grown up. The separation of church and state. We grew up with that mentality. There's the religious part of your life and the regular part of your life. And this guy is telling you there's no such thing. That's very, very distant from the emet, from the truth. In everything that you do, there is a godliness to it. You could eat like a behemoth, and there's no godliness in that. Or you could eat on Hashem's table, and all of a sudden, it's like greater than any class you went to. Could you imagine that tonight's dinner could be greater than any class you ever went to? That would be shocking to most people. What? Tonight's dinner could be better than any class? I'm not saying don't go to classes, by the way. But tonight's dinner could be greater than any class you went to. Is it surprising to you that the eating of the man on that first night, first day they ate the man, was greater than the entire year of miracles? You know how great of a class that was in Mitzrayim? One year, a class every single day. Yet, one dinner of man brought it all home. Tonight's dinner can change your life. I know it sounds ridiculous, maybe, but there's no mundane in our lives. If I go to sleep, that's not mundane. I have to sleep because I have to take care of my children. There's a mitzvah. I have to work with my parents. I have to go work and make money to support my family. That's a mitzvah. I have to wake up early to pray. Cooking is not a mundane act. Cooking is an act of kedushah. Whether you're cooking for Shabbat, or you're cooking for your children, or you're cooking for yourself. Of course, the mundane part of it is the physical part. And the kedushah part of it is what you infuse it with. If you don't think about your food tonight and you just swallow it, it's not going to have any kedushah. If you cook and you don't think that you're involved in something kadosh, then you're not getting kedushah. Mundane acts can be holy, and they are holy if we infuse them with that. Bekol derachecha da'ehu. Now I saw once a beautiful story. I, I, I can't get over the story. I'm going to say it to you, and I really can't believe it actually happened. Not because it's so wild. Because you would never in a million years think that this actually is the reality. So someone asked once, Rabbi Vigda Miller, Allah Shalom. They used to ask them interesting questions. So somebody asked him, if he had an hour to live, so what would you do in that hour? Interesting question. I think, depending on the person, most of us 
would probably either say, I'm going to, if it was a man, I'd sit down and learn Torah. I would give stuck out, take all my money, all extra money that I have was sitting in the bank, go give stuck out. I will do hesed, I'll go honor my parents, I'll come and sit down and talk to my children and teach them about their future. Those are the types of things that would enter our mind. So what does our Miller say about that? So his answer was that it depends on the time of day it is. If it's time to walk, so I would walk. And if it's time to eat, I would eat. And if it's time to take a nap, then I would take a nap. And if it's time to pray, I would pray. And if it's time to learn, I would learn. Who would ever think of such a thing? In my wildest dreams, I'm a big rabbi, you know, like I told you. In my wildest dreams, I would never think of such an end. Because I too, like you, have departments in my mind. As much as I talk about it and I preach about it, but I guess it's natural for me. There's my religious side, and then there's my regular side. And sometimes I can make my regular side religious. But I guess this great man lived it didn't matter to him if he was walking an ocean parkway, which he used to do, or he was eating his wife's dinner, or he was sitting and learning. It didn't make a difference. They're all equally kadosh and equally holy. And who knows which one is greater? If that's what you're supposed to be doing now, then get the maximum out of it. You're a holy person tonight. If you sit down tonight and you say, Baruch Ata Hashem, Elokenu Melech HaOlam, which means you're recognizing that all of nature that Hashem has concealed in Himself, you're the Melech HaOlam. This bread is no different than the man to me. I see you in this bread. I see you in my salad. I see you in my water. And you make a beracha. Melech ha'olam. You are eating the food of emunah. And if what we're saying today is true, then it's greater than any emunah book you ever read. Because unlike listening about it, it's becoming part of your bones. It's becoming part of your reality. That's what Berachot do. Besides thanking Hashem, besides feeling Hashem close to you, it builds your emunah in what you're eating. It changes your food. I saw a story of a man who went to his rabbi and he saw his rabbi is eating an apple. And before he ate the apple, he made a beracha. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Borei Periyat. So he tells his rabbi, I said, I want to tell you something. I'm a simple man. You're a big rabbi. But when I eat an apple, I do the same thing as you. I make a beracha. You make a beracha. 
what's the difference between me and you? Interesting question. Satan will tell you the difference. He says, me, when I take an apple, I start thinking about all of the wonders that brought this apple to reality. I think about all the miracles, how a seed that's bitter, no sweetness to it, no meat to it, goes into the dirty ground. With dirty water, and all of a sudden this apple came. Believe me, that's a much greater miracle than man. Man is coming from Shemaim, big deal. That a bitter seed became a sweet apple, and not just one, thousands. Wow, he says, I think about that. And I'm so excited. I can't believe the miracle of this apple. He's, I will just want to bless Hashem. I just want to tell him, thank you. I want to tell him, I see you. I see you in the apple. But I know I can't make a beracha until I eat the apple. You can just make berachot. So I eat the apple so I can make a beracha. He says, you... You want to eat the apple. But you know you can't eat the apple without a beracha. So you eat a beracha to eat the apple. That's the difference between me and you. I eat the apple to make a beracha. You make a beracha to eat the apple. Big difference. I don't know if we'll be in the level of this rabbi. But that's where it's at. Our food through our berachot can change our lives. Take whatever it is that you're eating, close your eyes, see Hashem in front of you, and tell Him, unlike all the people in the world who walk around and think, what's my world? I do everything. I don't see God here. Unlike those people, walk around with blindfolds I know you're Melech Ha'olam you're the king of the hidden the hidden that's there you're the king of it many people walk around like Rashi says Rashi gives a beautiful mashal Rashi brings the story of a child that's sitting on his father's shoulders and every time he needs something, he can't reach because he's on top. He tells him, get me the bread, please. Gets him the bread. Get me the car, please. Gets me the car. Give me this. Give me that. Every day, two days, weeks. Every time he needs something, get me this. One day, he was walking. He sees somebody. He said, I want to ask you a question. You ever see my father? His father looks up at him. You're looking for your father? I've been serving you day and night. Every single day. 
You're asking him, where's my father? He took the kid and threw him on the floor. Says Rashi, this is our reality sometimes in life. Hashem is a regular serving us. Take, enjoy. I love you. Here. Enjoy this. Enjoy that. Ah, enjoy the breath. Beautiful. Enjoy. Tada. Here's some oxygen for you. All day long, Hashem is giving it to us. Without Hashem, can we really can have it? Doctors, God bless them with all that they know. There's a lot more they don't know. And what? How much could they give us? How much could they do for us? We see that day in, day out. If Hashem just takes one little item and moves it to the left, the guy doesn't know what to do with himself. He's already off balance. He doesn't know what to do. Hashem, every day, serving you, serving you. Here, honey, take it. Enjoy. Ah, stand up, walk. Great. People are asking, you ever see my father? You never saw your father? But that's what, what a human is capable of. By the way, you know who this Rashi is going on? Just so you don't think it's going on some Am Ha'aret somewhere. This Rashi, I just quoted, is talking about Am Yisrael after they left Mitzrayim. It's talking about people that witnessed God's hand more than any other time in history. And yet Rashi brings a mashal about them. They started complaining there's no water. Bring, Rashi brings this mashal on that pasuk. I'm serving you day and night. How could you ask, where is your father? We never want to be guilty of asking, where is our father? And that's what we do when we say, Melech HaOlam. We say, once again. Once again, we say, we know who our father is. Melech HaOlam. Every beracha, a beracha that you'll make tonight with kavanah will literally transform you. We're looking for emunah in so many places. We never thought it's sitting in our refrigerators and sitting in our pantry. And it's all a cup of water or even it's a piece of ISIS. It's right there. And I want to tell you, just to finish off, that this is not going to be so easy for us. Really, everybody walking out of this room today, everyone walking out of this room today, should regularly change their life. I didn't tell you today, to start carrying boxes. I didn't tell you to enroll in Kulel. I didn't tell you to change your lifestyle. I didn't tell you to fast Mondays and Thursdays. I didn't tell you to do anything different than what you already do. So this is a, a no-brainer, this class. All we're saying is that the next time you put something in your mouth, you stop, and you recognize Atah Melech 
and you are going to have more emuna in your neshama. And you wait and see, by the way, if you think, I dare anybody here, now I'm willing to give any kind of money, whatever I can afford. If you do this for a week or two, tell me if it doesn't transform your life. And if it doesn't, I'm willing to pay. Because there is no way that a person could bring Hashem into his neshama a hundred times a day during Amidah, during his Sa'udah, and not transform his emuna. It's not possible. But you got to do it. So it should be a no-brainer. Today, everyone's going to walk out. It's going to be easy. We're going to make this happen. But you're going to have one enemy about this. This is not the type of thing where you're going to have enemies like your friends are going to make fun of you. It's not like that kind of item. Or your mother is going to look at you different because you started wearing something different. It's not like that. You know, sometimes you change things and people start looking at you and you're nervous, social pressure. Maybe it's hard for you to sit down and learn or go to classes. Or Sometimes it's like that. This is not one of those classes. This should be a no-brainer. What am I asking you to do? What am I telling you to do? Improve your life. Have peace of mind. Enjoy what Hashem gives you. No more de'agot. No more fears. No more complaining. No more anxiety. Ah, oh, beautiful. Who doesn't want that? So all we're saying today is, the simple solution to all this, I'm not saying stop going to classes, I'm not saying stop reading books, continue listening to Living Emunah, Rabbi Esh is amazing. I'm not saying you should stop. But, I'm telling you today, this is the most powerful thing you do. Everyone's going to walk out of you and say, done. This is simple. I'm going to do it without a question. But you're going to have one enemy. And I need to warn you about this enemy. Because if you're not warned about him, he may take you over before you even realize. I'm going to share with you a pasuk. The pasuk is in Yeshaya. Thank you so much. The pasuk says in Yeshaya. By the way, before I say this pasuk, I just realized. Every day, we say in our prayers, The word means we improve ourselves, we become more meshubah. We become better when we praise you. You know what that means? Exactly what we spoke about today. When you make a beracha, you become a different person. Every time you say it, remind yourself. I'm becoming more Meshubah. The Pasuk in Yeshaya says, Hashem says to Am Yisrael, Shim'u, listen to me, he says. He's talking to two groups of people. He says, Shim'u Rechokim. Rechokim are the ones that are far. He says, Ud'u Kerovim. 
and the ones that are close, pay attention. Who are the people who are far? And who are the people who are close? So I already have my mind made up. I think you probably do also. Who is the guy who's far from Hashem? Or someone who's close to Hashem? I have some images in my mind. Comes Rashi and destroys my image and your image. Comes Rashi, Allah Shalom and says, Rehokim, who are the far ones? The ones who are far. Says Rashi, the people who are making berachot or doing my will or praying from the time they were young. They're called rehokim. Imagine that? Rehokim. They're the far ones. Oh, you've been religious your whole life? You're called rehok. Who is the kerovim? Says Rashi. Who are the close ones? Ba'ale teshuvah. The people who got close to me just recently, those are kerobim. Could you imagine that? One second. I've been practicing Judaism my entire life. Hashem calls me Rehokim. You're distant from me. Oh, gee, thanks. What does that mean? The guy who started last month he said, oh, that guy. I love that guy. He's close to me. Now, is that fair? How could that be? We should all go off the derech for a little bit just to come back. What, what is this? How upset are you now if you grew up observant and religious? And how happy do you feel that you weren't religious your whole life? What is this? Shim'ur hakim. The ones that were religious your whole life, you're too far. How could that be? The answer to this question is something that every Rahok has to think about. And by the way, Baruch Hashem, the people in this room, I would say we're most, for the most part, Rahokim. Maybe we're not all Tzaddikim, but there are many things that we grew up with as part of our lifestyle, our families, our parents, our yeshivot. And you should know that when you are a rahok, you have a very big enemy that is battling you. That the Baal Teshuvah who discovered God yesterday doesn't have. He has a major advantage over any of us. And that is what Yeshayah Hanavi complains about Am Yisrael when he tells them in the name of Hashem that he's very disappointed. Very disappointed in them. Why is he disappointed? He tells them, you pray. You honor me. You do mitzvot. Sounds nice. What's the problem? He says, but your actions and your behavior with me, he calls it mitzvat anashim melumada. You do your actions, your berachot, your tfilot, your mitzvot, 
You're doing them, but you're doing them melumada. You know melumada means? I'm going to tell you what melumada means by an example. So I hate to describe it in just a translation. It doesn't do it justice. I'm going to tell you something now. It's going to sound like I'm putting someone down, but I'm actually not. I'm actually saying, wow. So don't get the wrong message. There are literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people that come to this shul every morning. Some of them are 70, some are 80, some are 60, 50. There are people that have been praying their entire life. Now praying is a big deal to go to shul every day. It means waking up early. It means getting dressed for shul. It means walking or driving, finding a spot. Just praying shahrit, that could take an hour, hour and a half between tefillah and all the time that it gives. Minha, arbit. Another 30 to 45 minutes. Now they're sitting there, so that's about two hours a day, praying. And they don't understand a word they're saying. Most amazing thing. Guy's praying for 50 years. He doesn't understand a word he's saying. Not a word. He's just reading. Barely. He's reading. Now I say, I you think it's putting them down. No, I, I can't believe how special that is. I don't know how many days I could sit for two hours a day. Two hours a day. From the waking hours, if he sleeps eight hours, that's 16 hours. Out of my 16 hours, I'm giving two hours a day to read Hebrew words that I don't understand. And they do it religiously. Without any question. How beautiful is that? Let's get a Baal Teshuvah into the shul. A guy who grew up completely secular. Knows nothing about religion. He got inspired. He went to a Shabbaton. He's flying. He's ready. He's ready to go. He wants to start. So he tells you, okay, you're my advisor. What do I do tomorrow morning? He says, tomorrow morning I'll pick you up. We're going to go pray Shahrit. Okay. Good. He goes to Shahrit. First time in his life he's praying Shahrit. Happens to know. Happens to be. He knows Hebrew. He knows how to read Hebrew. <coughs> so he tells okay, sit down over here. Open the book. Page five. Start reading. Okay. Um, stand up now. Why? No, just stand up. No, don't ask questions. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, uh, sit down now. Why? Uh, don't be silly, just, just sit down. Okay, you don't know anything, you don't know anything. Just sit down. He started, continues reading. He's like, how much more reading are we doing today? Come on, guys, these balachulas. Just keep reading. Now my bet, my bet if he was a nice guy, and had a lot of patience, I think, 
10 minutes, max, maybe 12. The guy says, listen, I'll see you outside, okay? Meet me outside. We have to talk about this. And you're like, these ballet Jews, what's wrong with them? I don't understand. You meet him outside and say, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? I told you how to pray. He said, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm reading these words. I don't understand the word I'm reading. I stood up when he told me to stand up. You don't put my hands over my eyes like this. I don't know. What, what, what am I doing? Now, isn't that normal, by the way? Shouldn't that be every man or woman's reaction after you're reading every day Hebrew words for hours? Shouldn't your automatic question be, what in the world am I doing now? What am I, reading to God? He needs someone to read books to him? What are we doing? Why am I standing? What just happened? What am I closing my eyes for? How could it be? My question is, how could it be the Baal Tshuva in five minutes gets frustrated and starts to wonder what it is he's doing? But a guy is here in shul for 60 years and never asked the question once. Forget because of the answer. Don't even bother him. How can I not bother you? How could you not ask, what am I doing? And the sad answer is, has a little good to it, but it's sad, is that this eight-year-old went to school when he was five. And when he was five, they taught him how to pray. And when you're five, they can't teach you the fundamentals of Judaism or Emunah or Hashem. They say, open the book, page three. If you see kids read, they don't ask questions. Why am I reading this? Just read. And he start. Again, one more time. And the whole year, they finished the whole Sidur. They learned how to read. Most people that you see pray like a five-year-old. That's called melumada. Melumada means the way you learned it. The way you were trained to do it. You do it by rote. Like you're a religious person. That's what you do. You keep Shabbat. You make berachot. You pray. You. Hashem says that a person who's doing something for a very long time is called rahok. Usually. It doesn't have to be. But it could be. Because when you do things over and over again, you start to lose your soul. You start to become robotic. You keep Shabbat because that's what you do. And you make berachot because that's what you do. They taught you. Make berachot. Shehakol, that's it. There's no God in the beracha. There's no Ata in the beracha. There's no Melech Alam in the beracha. You're just repeating like a parrot. Which has its value. God forbid I'm not taking that away from anybody. But that's not what it's supposed to be. That's why Hashem calls them Rehokim. Because you're doing things melumada. You're just doing something 
as you were trained or you got used to. Shouldn't every person here who prays buy a sidur, take a little pen, and write on the side of the beracha, in short, what is it that I'm saying now? What am I asking for? What am I doing? It's so easy. And if you think it's beneath you to do such a thing, because, like, what do you mean? You've been doing it for a long time? I'm telling you, my father, Allah wa shalom, I found it to Hilim that he had. They used to read with every day. And my father wrote a book on Tehillim. Created a book this thick on Tehillim. Yet he has a small Tehillim he read every morning from, in Shul before Shahrid. And if you would find that Tehillim, I would show it to you, you'll see notes on every Pasuk. Little notes about what it means. He's an 80-year-old man who knows the whole Torah. But he understands if you say Tehillim and you don't understand a word, it's not appropriate. Maybe we're not going to understand everything in one day. But shouldn't we at least have the question? Shouldn't we get a piece of a pen, get a sidur, buy one Hebrew-English one, and start every day, learn something, and write it. So when you're praying, it means something. The biggest enemy we're going to have leaving this class, if a person in this room never made berachot, they're going to come out of here flying. But if you've been making berachot your entire life, you're going to have a very hard time. Because while this class sounds very important and very exciting, the minute you leave these doors, you're back to your old self, the one that came in before the class. And that person made berachot and made them a certain way. Melumada. And you're going to continue doing the same thing. And that would be a tragedy. A tragedy when we have so much in front of us, available to us, simple. But yet, melumada is going to stop us. You know, there is, in, uh, in the Lachot of Avelut, Lo'alenu, a person passes away. So the relatives are called an onen. An onen is someone who's supposed to be involved in the burial of the mat. And therefore they're exempt from all mitzvot. They don't do mitzvot. They don't do averot, but there's no mitzvot. They don't pray. They don't say beracha. They drink, no beracha. Onen, no beracha. Very extreme. Why? So you could be fully involved with the body. Don't get involved in anything else. Seems to be a little extreme. So one time they asked a question in a Bet Avel to Rashmuel Arba, Sechir Tzadik Lubracha. What's this Onen process? Why is it so extreme? If What's wrong with making a Beracha? So he said some cryptic line. Says Roshmul Arbach, you know why you can't do mitzvot when you're an onen? You know why you can't make berachot when you're an onen? Because it's coming to battle, to fight. Mitzvat anashim melumada. It's coming to fight the melumada part of us. The things that we do by rote. What does that mean? What's he talking about? 
I still want a beautiful explanation. You know, when a person loses somebody they love, someone close to them, has to be, has to be. One of the thoughts that come into their mind is, I, so many opportunities I have to visit, to call. I could have bought them more things. I could have thought about them more. I got upset with that. What are you doing? All of a sudden you start realizing the lost opportunities when they were there. And now when they're gone, all of a sudden, as they say, you don't appreciate it till you lose it. That's what happens. Every normal person, unless you were the perfect child, or the perfect wife, or the perfect husband, or the perfect... You're going to have those thoughts. So what the rabbi is saying is, but at this moment, when these thoughts are awakened in you, when you're starting to realize how special that relationship was and how you took it for granted. Fachamim said this is a great time to start realizing not to take Hashem for granted. When you're thinking about, oh, what I could have done, what I could have, what I could have, it was just so available to me. Because you know what, now, guess what? No more mitzvot. Live like a behemoth. No mitzvot, no berachot, no tefillot. Good. Live like a cat. Eat like a cat, drink like a cat, live like a cat. But now, you lost it. You can't make a berachah anymore. You lost your father, you lost your mother, you lost Hashem. You lost that. Don't do it. Feel what it's like. And then maybe, after a day or two, when you can make a beracha again. I remember the first beracha I made. After, I mean, it was like, make a beracha. You can make a beracha. You ever see a little child, 13-year-old, putting on tefillin for the first time? But that awesome feeling starts to become melumada. Our berachot become automated. Hashem says, stop, don't make berachot. Feel what it's like not to have Hashem in your life. Feel what it's like to live by yourself. It's a great opportunity when the feelings are already awakened within you. Melumada is a big fight. It's not an easy fight. I will end off by telling you someone who fought this Melumada, someone we would never think. His name is Yaakov Avinu. It says, Shir Lama'alot. Shir Ma'alot means, you know, there are 15 Shir Ma'alots. 
All of them start Shir Hamma'alot. It's the song of the steps in the Beta Migdash. There were 15 steps where the Leviim parked themselves and they would sing. Each step, David wrote a song. Shir Hamma'alot, the song of the steps. But only one, it says Shir Lamma'alot. Some explain it just means Hamma'alot, just Lam is like hey. But why? The word ma'alot doesn't only mean steps. It means to go up. It means to grow. Shir says, David, I'm writing a song now, la ma'alot. That a person could raise themselves. Esa enai el heharim. Says David Melech, I raise my eyes to the mountains. Says the Midrash, what mountains he's raising his eyes to? The mountains are the mountains in our lives. The great people that were around could be a great father, a great mother, great grandparents, grandparents, great rabbis, great women. Those are called mountains. By the way, why are they called mountains? Why are great people compared to mountains? You know, a mountain, when you're next to it, you have no idea it's a tall mountain. Because when you're next to it, it looks like a hill. As you go away, from the mountain, and you look and you say, wow, I never realized how tall that mountain was. Great people in our lives, when we're next to them, they make us feel like they're so small, so simple. But as you go far from them, you look back and say, oh my God, that person was so big. That woman was so awesome. That's why great people are compared to mountains. Because you don't realize it sometimes until you go far away from them. Esa enai el heharim says David. I raise my eyes to the horim. To Yaakov Avinu. Me'ayin yavo ezri says the midrash that Yaakov Avinu, one time in his life, asked, Me'ayin yavo ezri, where will my help come from? When did he say that? When did Yaakov make a statement like that? When? Who's gonna help me? Like a desperate call for help. Says the Midrash when Yaakov was going to Lavan. He knows he's married there, hopefully. He looked at himself. He had no money. He ran away from Isaac. He has nothing, zero. He said, my father, when Eliezer went to find a bride, he had camels, he had gold, he had silver. He had all types of things with him. He was able to attract the girl to marry him. I'm coming here by myself with a shirt on my back. Who's going to marry me? Who's going to start a home with me? How am I getting married? Says David Melech, I'm learning from Yaakov. He asked, How does he continue? Ah, says Yaakov, Stop. Stop, Yaakov. You think the gold is what got uh, Yitzhak married? You think the camels? That's how he got married? Ezrimayim Hashem. It's all Bidesh Shamayim. Have Emunah. Ah, okay, great. Let me continue. Anyone reading this Midrash says, Whoa, 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 whoa. Yaakov Avinu? 
for a minute thought that the reason why Yitzhak got married because he was rich for a minute he thought that's why everything happened because of his koah because of Yitzhak and Abraham's ability to pay their way through this shiduch that's what he thought Yaakov didn't know that everything is me'et Hashem he has to ask questions says Yaakov, I can't believe it. I'm stuck. I'm never getting married. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on. Let me give myself Hizu. As you know, Hashem does it. Is that really what happened by Yaakov? You know what the answer to this question is? That Yaakov Avinu grew up in a house of Emuna. His whole life, yeah, Emuna. And you know what happens when you grow up in a house of Emuna? Somebody asks you how you're feeling. You say, Baruch Hashem. You know what it means? Nothing. It's a repetition of what someone told you to say. Something goes wrong, you don't really believe it. It's just a retard, it's words. Yaakov Avinu is the classic Rehokim. He's the classic boy who became man, who grew up in a house of Kedusha. Everything was given to him. Melumada. And Yaakov knew his enemy. And when Yaakov was on his way, of course he had emunah, but he was worried his emunah was not real. His emunah was melumada, was the one that his father gave him, not the one that he acquired. So he started to ask. Maybe it's the gold. Maybe it's the silver. He was talking again as if he's starting fresh. As if he's a Balchuba. He wanted to take a fresh step into his Yaakov Avinu life. He didn't want to live the five-year-old. So he trained himself again. If I was today starting, I would have this question. No, no, Hashem, don't you know Yaakov? Don't you know Hashem is behind you? Don't you know Hashem is running behind you, giving you what you have, giving you what you need? The reason why I brought you this story is to tell you that even Yaakov, not even, especially Yaakov, has to fight. If Yaakov was in this class, he'd have the hardest time because he was so trained. Melumada. He had the best teachers, the best home. But specifically, those people are in the biggest danger. The bigger you keep at, the more dangerous you are. Melumada. That's your only enemy. You're going to find yourself tonight eating like you ate last night. And making a beracha the same as last night. And you, oh, what happened? Did I forget the whole class? And the answer is you didn't forget. But melumada is your enemy. That's why it says, Vezacharti et beriti Yaakov. Ve'et beriti Yitzhak. Abraham. Mention them backwards. Why Yaakov, Yitzhak, Abraham? To teach you that even without Yitzhak, Yaakov would be great. And even without Abraham, Yitzhak would be great. Each one internalized it for himself and did it on his own. He didn't take the learning, Melumada, and just live with it. He internalized it. So be careful. 
The next time you eat something, your enemy is melumada. But if you just remember that, and you stop, and you say, Baruch Atah, and you see Hashem right there, writing your thank you, God, God damn. Baruch Atah, and you say, Melech Allah. It's not the bread, it's your word. You are, I see you behind everything that I'm eating. And you put that piece in your mouth after that beracha. You're a different human being. You're not just listening in Muna. You're not learning in Muna. You're literally living the Muna. Because the Muna is living inside you through the food that you ate. And imagine doing that multiple times a day. What it could do for us. I give you all a beracha that you should bring emuna into your life in every way possible. Baruch Amen. Amen. Amen.